Well, it's good to be back. Yes. We we record episodes in advance. We try to do two or three at a time. And so the last time we recorded was almost a month ago now. Um, so it's good to, to get back into the groove on this. Um, for the last 11 episodes or so, usually I'm the one who comes up with the topic. Um, we'll have a little bit of discussion about things that we could talk about. But usually I'm like, okay, this is the one that I think that, you know, is going to attract the biggest audience, get the best response, and the one that I know that I can pull different stories out of you for. But this episode was actually one that you wanted to talk about. You wanted to talk about the uh, kind of the civil unrest that we've had, especially in the last couple of weeks, uh, but really over the last six months, year, four years, depending on how you count it. Mm -hmm. I've tried as much as possible to steer strong Catholic data away from politics, because I think that that can be a really divisive issue. And I think that Catholicism and fatherhood, there, there's so much to it that doesn't need to involve politics. Um, and you can, there are many other Catholic podcasts that talk about politics on a frequent basis. But I really do think that there's, that these recent events have some direct effects on fathers and how they approach their fatherhood. So, so why was this a topic that you, you wanted to discuss? Yeah, I, I think it's important for us to be real about uh, when it comes to our fatherhood, there's a, there's a lot that's influencing us. And so how I treat my children, what I talk about, um, even my attitude uh, at the time um, is influenced by my environment. And so in my environment right now, what's going on, politics are going on a lot and it bleeds over. And I think a great analogy for um, for dealing with any type of strife, you know, it could be, it might not be politics. It could be, um, something going on with the weather. If there's a hurricane coming our direction or something, uh, and what happens, what do they tell you when you're on a plane? It's like the first thing that happens that those, uh, those air things come down, you're supposed to put it on you then on your kids. <laughs> so you need to be breathing fresh air, uh, so that you can think straight before you're, before you're helping your children. So when it comes to anything, but right now it's, it's clear that uh, with the unrest that's going on, and, and again, it has been going on for the past year, that that has consumed a lot of my own thoughts, uh, and then it, it'll come out, my, come out my mouth. And so what's it take, first of all, when it comes to breathing, you know, getting the right air for me to breathe? And I think that um, as a dad, I have to be aware of what my habits are with how I'm how I'm thinking about these things. And the first thing that I need to do is say like, well, hold on a second. You know, like my first and most important relationship is my relationship with God. Where am I, where am I at with him? That's where I'm gonna get uh, the fresh air. And so, um, I, and I wanna put aside for a second to dispel, a lot of people say, well, you know, perfect love casts cast out all fear and I'm feeling fear, so I must not love, or I'm, you know, and there's a misunderstanding, I think, often uh, when it comes to feeling. So the feeling of fear, the feeling of hatred, the feeling of repugnance, um, the, all of those different things. The catechism tells us that feelings are like signals. They're, the, the passions, they're telling us things. They're like a, like a light, like a stoplight. Is it saying yellow? Is it saying red? Is it saying green? Go. Um, so if we know that, it's not a problem to feel anxiety, it's not a problem to feel fear. There's a difference in feeling fear and the verb to fear, like fearing. 
And so uh, fearing is, in, in, is using your will <laughs> to act in a fearful way. That's a whole different story from feeling fear with inside. And if you look at Christ you know, on the cross, he's saying, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was feeling forsaken. And what did he do in that moment of feeling forsaken? That's where the will kicks in. And, he, and if you read Psalm 22, which is when you say, my God, my God, why have, I, uh, why have you forsaken me? It's right there in Psalm 22. Jesus was quoting scripture. Um, it goes on to be, become an act of faith where he, he, he turns to his father and, it, and he's pointing to the fact that God saves, that there will be good that comes from this. And so that's where he wasn't fearing or he wasn't stuck in, his, in the feeling of forsakenness. He knew that this is a moment, this is a test of faith. This is a test where I have to turn to my father. Well, I've got to do the same thing. <laughs> so um, whether it is politics or my job or my relation, you know, one of my relationships that's problematic. Um, in those moments, it's when I'm feeling fear, it's like it's good to feel fear. Fear is a gift from God and it's telling you there's there's a potential problem here and you need to be alert. If you're not feeling fear when there are problems around you, you're not healthy. <laughs> like that's part of it. Um, and even hatred. What's hatred? Hatred is, is a negative response to something that is really repugnant to you. Well, there are things that should be repugnant to you. If somebody smashes somebody else in the face in front of you, that's repugnant. Um, you know, it's it's repugnant to see and you might feel hatred towards the perpetrator. I'm like, how could you do that? Now, you're not wrong for feeling the hatred. <laughs> the, the wrongness is that if you, you feel like, because there's an injustice and you might feel anger, good. Anger is a good thing. It's telling you it's time to act. I need to do something about this. Do I need to call the police? Do I need to intervene? I need to make a decision. So uh, first thing I just want to put, put some uh, brackets around is that these feelings that you can have right now, repugnance, fear, hatred, those in and of themselves are not bad. They're gifts from God. Great. Okay then what am I going to do with them? I need to say, to use my will and say, okay, how am I going to act now that I know that I've got these feelings and God is telling me things through these, these feelings? Um, and that's where, you know, look at Jesus on the cross. He turned to his father to, to make an act of faith, to say, you know, like, you are all good and there's good in here, even though I've just seen things that, that don't look good and you're going to bring a greater good out of it. So I need to make an act of faith. And I, I like to go back and, and look at the, uh, one of my favorite verses from, um, from the Old Testament is in Deuteronomy 8. And what happens in there, there's like this very clear language where it says, for the past 40 years, <laughs> you have been, uh, the, the Lord has directed you in the desert. So it's like, well, wait, wait a second. This is God who loves his people and he led them and directed them in the desert. Yeah, he left his people in the desert for 40 years. His beloved children were in the desert. So when some people say, oh, this is really tough right now. Why do we have to live in times such as this? Like, okay, like you've got God who you know, like appeared as a column of, of fire and, and cloud and all these things. So it was like so obvious that God was intervening and he led him into the desert for 40 years. It's like, what do you think? This is like, does he not love me because I'm in the desert? No, like that's part of his plan. But it goes on to say for the past 40 years, God has directed you in the desert and he has tested you by affliction. It's like you realize, oh, like this is part of the plan to be tested. Yes, to be tested. Okay, why? Why should I be tested by affliction? And then, it, then the verse goes on to say um, to, uh, to basically check whether or not, to check the intention of your heart whether or not you uh, were deciding to follow God's commands. It's like, oh, hold on. So the affliction actually becomes a test 
to see like, am I going to follow God now or am I, am I only going to follow him when it's good? <laughs> so, um, so first thing to understand, again, we'll come back to like our emotions are good. Um, they're telling us things. They're, they're, they're giving us warning signs. They're giving us go and stop. Great. Okay. That's motions. Secondly, now I'm going to enact my will. What am I going to do with my will? I need to direct it in the right direction. So the first thing I need to do as, as a dad is to be like, be aware of my emotions. Um, and then secondly, to say, okay, what, how am I going to, how am I going to use what I've learned from them to move in the, in the right direction? And that's why this is really important because you can't, uh, you you can totally freak out your kids. Um, I've done it before. I'm good at it <laughs> because well, that's actually something out. that it, that that as you're talking has come to mind is back uh, on 9/11. I was watching a TV show when you came running into the room and like pressed random buttons on the TV, and you're like just just get this off. And I thought we were in trouble for watching TV at nine o'clock in the morning, and so I turned the TV. I was like no no no, and you switch the channel, and there's this building on fire, and. Everyone who's old enough to remember has that day seared into their mind. It was seared into my mind. But the funny thing about it, the sad thing about it was that for weeks after I had nightmares about Osama bin Laden, I was convinced that someone was going to fly a plane into our house and blow it up. Mm. And the only time where for at least a week after that, I didn't like walk around shaking was when I was in an adoration chapel, actually. And at the time, I would have just said that was because of what I saw on the television. But looking back, part of it was what I saw from you and mom and how you guys reacted to what was going on. There was never a point where you guys kind of sat down and said, okay, you're only eight years old. Let me explain what we just saw. Let me talk about like what that actually means for you in a, uh, on a day-to-day basis. It was weeks after the attack that I worked through my own set of thoughts and finally realized like Osama bin Laden doesn't care who I am. He doesn't know anything about me. He's not going to run a plane into my home in Northwestern Indianapolis. Like that's never going to happen. And then suddenly I felt like I didn't have to be afraid anymore, but there was a role there that I think that you as a relatively new father probably didn't realize you had, which was to walk your kids through what they just saw and walk them through like, what what's an appropriate level of fear and what's an appropriate response to this fear? Because I think if you had given, if you had just sat me down and talked to me and said, yeah, this happened, there are bad people in the world, you know, that this attack was terrible. Lots of people died. There's not been anything like it in my lifetime. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, you don't need to be scared that somebody's going to come to your house, you know, then that would have made a huge difference in my life. So, so the role of a parent in a situation like the one we're in right now, where there's a lot of civil unrest is actually pretty clearly pronounced because you are the, in this case, you're kind of the, the lens that through which your kids see what's going on in the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. And so what you saw, if we go back to the plane analogy was (laughs) I was running around the plane. Uh, I wasn't putting oxygen on myself or on you or on anyone. (laughs) I was like, Oh, this guy's actually the plane is falling. Um, so I think, and that's, and you said, well, and you were a young dad. I wasn't that young. You know, you were eight. Uh, so uh, you had just turned eight. So like I had eight years of parenting experience under my belt. Uh, and I was, uh, but what that goes to, to the first point is like, where was I? Uh, I wasn't able to give you what you needed because I wasn't getting what I needed. Um, I wasn't focused back on saying, okay, um, father, like what? I, there's good that's going to come from this, uh, that, that you are in charge. Everything is going to be okay. And so because 
I wasn't uh, heading down, down that direction. That just got magnified for you. And so we need to, in the midst of any uh, problem, and I, and I would say now, now I've got 30 years of parenting under my belt. I'm far more attuned now. It's still 28 learning. for the record. <laughs> um, 28, uh, 30 years of marriage. Uh, I, so, and that's good news that, that it's uh, 30 years of marriage and 28 for parenting. Um, <laughs> so uh, when it comes to uh, my children, when I have uh, breathed the fresh air and what's the fresh, fresh air, it's like, it's very clear. It's, it's that, that I'm turning to God and I'm making an act of faith. And then, so some, so you have to think for a second, you know, in the Bible, it talks about having the shield of faith. Why the heck do you use the word shield? Because obviously you're shielding yourself from something. Well, what are you shielding yourself from? You're shielding yourself from doubt, from the arrows of, of doubt and despair that are being uh, slung at you by the devil. Because he wants us running around like chickens with our heads cut off. And faith is the shield that actually allows me to think straight. Because I, when I put it up, I say like, no, I am going to, because faith is in the will. It's not in your, your, your emotions. It's in the will where I'm like choosing. I'm going to trust you no matter what this looks like right now. Like when Jesus is on the cross and his mother's looking up at him, it's an act of faith to trust that he's the son of God who's being murdered, that he is saving mankind when it looks like they're killing him and he's not saving them at all he can't do anything for himself at that point he's pinned to the cross and it's like no that pinning is actually saving mankind so it's a complete negate it seems to be a negation of his ministry because he's doing the opposite of what you think he's supposed to be doing saving not being murdered so uh so knowing that as a father um again step number one is i need to be breathing that fresh air that fresh air of faith that, and that faith is trusting god despite what looks what's going on around me entrusting myself to him and entrusting uh, my children and my family so then that gets to the to that second question it's like okay now what do you do uh for your kids um don't do what i did for you <laughs> back in uh when the when the twin towers came down um uh, so at that point, there really has to the decision needs to be made. Like, is it appropriate for you to even be sitting there watching that? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't appropriate for you to do that. Uh, it wasn't appropriate, first of all, because I was freaking out and mom was freaking out. That's way number one reason, no matter what's going on. Um, it's not appropriate for, for that, especially for the, the younger ages. And then secondly, um, if, I'm not, if I'm going to shield you from that so that I can filter it to you and tell you what happened without this dramatic imagery, um, then so that you could deal with it given your emotional um, maturity at the time. And when I when I am dealing with it, actually, you already pointed to what needed to happen. It's like there needs to be some processing that happens. What's processing? Talking through what the threat is, because the threat's real. There are real threats out there. Talking through what the real th uh, threats are, um, as best as you understand. Talk about how bad things can happen, um, and then how do we approach that as as Catholics, as you know, as fathers, as mothers. We need to approach it in faith. Well, what does faith look like? Well, how do I make an act of trust? And I would say uh, one of the things that, um, you know, some people say, well, you know, you're just doing that all in your head. You're just like, you make this act of faith, but like, what if you're freaking out inside? Let's just be real. And I would say, okay, um, let's be real. Make that act of faith. And if inside, uh, Mother Angelica said this, and I love this expression. She said, I am a woman of great faith, but my stomach doesn't know it yet. And it's like, okay, I love that. Thank you, Mother Angelica, because my stomach doesn't know a lot of that either. So there's the 
the the act of faith in the will that I need to make. Boom. Okay, that, that's for sure. Beyond that, what helps? What helps the, uh, my stomach? Um, I had something that was really helpful. Uh, and let me back up. Why am I still freaking out if I'm making the act of faith? Because there's part of me that really believes that there is something terrible that's going to happen to me and my children or to my wife, to whatever. And so like, and that I think that that terrible thing is going to be overwhelming, that I'm not going to be able to handle it. They're not going to be able to handle it. And it's just going to be terror. And that's what I'm really, uh, I'm really afraid of. And it's gripping me. So one of the things that shifted, uh, shifted the, the foundation of how I think about that is I had read the book, The Martyrs of the Colosseum fantastic uh, book and it's it's actual excerpts from vatican archives uh of of romans who had written about the martyrs in the Colosseum. and one of the things that i learned from that was that most of the time the uh the martyrs in the Colosseum were not killed by uh, being burned with oil or by wild animals because the wild animals time and time again would come bounding in. Now, this is terrifying to have a lion bounding in to eat you. That's, that's you know, you should feel fearful about that because that is a, a live threat. Uh, but most of the time they would come in and they would like bow down and lick the wounds of the Christians. They wouldn't eat the Christians. Most of the time, this happened so much that people started to become Christian, Catholic, because they saw these, these miracles. And then they would take these people and they would throw them in these huge cauldrons of boiling oil. And as soon as their body was about to hit the oil, the, the oil would solidify and they would just lay on top. And this happened so many times that they like there, there were people converting left and right to the church because they're like, this is, this is a God thing. Now, the reason that I bring that up now is that I had no understanding of what really happened in the Colosseum. And, and actually what finally happened is that there were, uh, the Christians would, would say that there was instances of this where they would say, well, you know, if you, if you tell the game, gamekeeper, if you really want to off me, chop off my head because that'll do it. And so then they come down with a gladiator and he cut off their head and that, that would finally do it. And they would be released to their heavenly glory. And they would do so with a sense of peace that like, I can't understand because I just told you that I'm terrified of, you know, the bombings or the difficult things that are going on. Um, how, you know, what's going to shift? When I read that, I realized that, that Christian after Christian put in these situations, God gave them the grace so that it wasn't as terrorizing and terrible and frightful as I imagine it could be. I imagine the fright far worse than it would actually was. And so if I'm acting, making, if I'm striving to seek God and say, Lord, I'm going to make an act of faith. I'm going to trust you. He promises. <laughs> he said, I, I will take care of you. I will give you the inner peace and calm that you need to deal with that. And the reality is when I'm freaking out about this stuff, I'm not freaking out because the plane is coming into my house right now. <laughs> I'm freaking out at the thought that it could happen. Two different things. And so for uh, the person who is like, again, with these Christians in the Colosseum, when they were in that situation, they were given and they were saying, you know, Father, I trust in you. They were given the grace of this calmness and it wasn't so terrible. Um, and actually there was a there was a peace in it that that defied understanding and so many people saw that and converted to Christianity slash Catholicism um, through that. So I think that that's the major thing for for us uh, to realize and that was a shift for me when I finally got it was like, oh, you know what like I'm not I need to make an act of faith, not just that God will take care of me, but that God will take care of me, <laughs> you know, not just us in general, but he'll, he'll, he'll take care of us. He'll take care of us because we'll end up in heaven someday. So no, 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 he'll take care of us in the midst of the trial. Um, and I just have to trust that when the trial comes, 
that I'm going to be able to handle it. And I'll, I'll give one more analogy or actually example. It was, it was your birth uh, when you were a little guy and, and mom was about to deliver you. And what happened is <laughs> she, the doctor came in and said, um, you know, it's going to be a while. You're probably not going to have this baby till tomorrow. And so she's like, oh, okay. And so the doctor left and about an hour later, the contractions came on so hard that Maria was just, she was in ex- dramatic pain and she like grabbed she's like get me medication and i was like oh honey didn't we talk about you doing this without medication and she's like give me medic get the nurse i'm gonna get up and get the nurse i'm like okay you know i'll do this um so poor thing so we go to get the nurse um the nurse comes in and i said my, my wife really wants medication and she's like okay honey you know i'll take care of you and so she texts maria and when she checks her um she's like oh my gosh like the the head is like is crowning like you're gonna and she said <laughs> You're going to have this baby like right now. And instantaneously, mom's added, like everything changed. She went from from being like, I can't handle this to like, uh, and she said what happened internally is she realized, oh, I thought I was going to feel this pain for the next eight hours until tomorrow when the baby came. But if you're telling me that this pain is like the maximum pretty much and I'm about to give birth, I can handle this. (laughs) So it all came down to what the expectation was. And when she realized, like she had enough grace to deal with the birth in the moment. She didn't have enough grace. She didn't have enough strength to deal with it going to be like eight hours from now. Um, So I would say in a similar way, as we're uh, dealing with upheaval in our country, in our um, whatever it could be, job you, you could be something like the country. Or what are you talking about? Like I can't pay my bills th- this month. Um, so there's, or you know, somebody who's really sick and dying around you. It's like you know, there's still COVID stuff going on. Like we have these other issues that are happening. In all cases, um, this act of trust is necessary, especially as a father. That I need to be making that on my own, and then I need to be teaching my children to make that act as well. I need to, to say, okay, like how, like how are you thinking about this? Let me talk you through and let me train you to, uh, and put on for you the, the oxygen mask and, tr- mask and train you how to put it on yourself <laughs> so that you're not freaking out. Now, by the grace of God, you put on the oxygen mask yourself several months later uh, when it came to 9-11. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and I do say, I'd like to say all the parents, you're, <laughs> I had a dad yesterday who told me, he's like, I'd like, I'm like, I'm afraid that I'm going to screw up my kids. And I just want to laugh and say, well, you are. <laughs> You're going to screw them up. Um, and that's like, it's part of the humility thing. It's like, it's, it happens and it, ha- it happens all the time. Um, and so what I do, I do two things. One is I, I pray. It's like, Lord, fill in the gaps for my screw ups. Um, like I need to trust that you're going to fill in the gaps. Uh, make good on these screw ups that I'm doing. Like whatever, like bring something better out of them than would have been if I had done it right. Like Lord, just like Jesus did with, you know, with the cross and with original sin, you know, with original sin, we have so great a state, like how amazing it is that he died, that God died for us. So, uh, so we have to take, um, I have to take that step as, as a father to be like, I trust that Lord, you're going to take care of, uh, of my kids. And then last thing it's like, and because I do screw up, what can I do to fix what I've screwed up? Uh, going forward because I can't go back. There's no grace in the past. There's not grace in the future. There's grace in the present moment. So like, what can I do right now? And the best thing to do right now is not worry. You might feel worry, anxiety, but not act in worry, and, and, but make an act of faith. And like, I trust in you. And what's an act of faith? You can just say the words. <laughs> the words are powerful. I trust in you, Lord. And then like, can help me to breathe. The oxygen mask and it's like, okay, now what decisions do I need to make 
um, if I really am trusting, because that's what he had <laughs> back with, you know, in the desert. Um, he was like, he tested them to see would they keep, what decision you need to make? Keep the commandments. What are the commandments to do, fulfill your duty for the moment? Your duty for the moment may be doing your work instead of looking at the political thing. It may be getting home on time so that you can help out your wife, but instead you're having a conversation. Uh, I've done this <laughs> with my coworker about uh, politics, and my wife is like, politics, and like, I've got dirty diapers here. <laughs> like, would you get home? Because uh, you're, and this is something that you you say common is that oftentimes our sphere's concern is far bigger than our sphere of influence and like and so what's god's will is you need to first and foremost deal with your sphere of of influence and that's as a dad it's praying to god taking care of your wife taking care of your family being present well and the cool thing is that there's a freedom in that it's mm. not like i think there are some situations where when you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, uh, which is where we are with Strong Catholic Dad right now. So if you can sponsor Strong Catholic Dad, the podcast, please do. Um, there's there's this, the circle of concern and the circle of influence are the same. You know, we, we can control to some degree what we're doing to, to get Strong Catholic Dad in front of as many people as possible. Um, and that's the, the circle that we're also like worried about. Um, when it comes to these bigger issues of, you know, just unrest in the world at large there's some stuff we can do we can pray there's a degree of active activism that we can partake in but it's much much smaller than our concern and i find this this liberation in knowing that god god's in control mm -hmm. and and that those prayers we make that offering up the 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 pain the the uncertainty surrounding these issues is actually more powerful than almost anything else we can do in the first place and there, there's a freedom in that I want to come back, though, to something that you mentioned earlier, which is sitting down and having that conversation with your kid and filtering something for your kid. Something I always wondered uh, when I was a teenager and I and you were saying, OK, you're allowed to watch these movies, but your younger siblings aren't was like, how do you know what to filter for which kid? And I think that's something that we'll probably talk about in another episode of the podcast. But I think that the the nugget here is that you can't only have these conversations with your kids when they're the hard conversations, mm -hmm. when they're the really difficult ones. You have to establish a pattern of discussing important things. Because frankly, at age eight, if you had come to me and like tried to filter this to me, I probably would have recognized, wow, we never have conversations like this, or we rarely have conversations like this. And it would have added this degree of fear, like this must be a huge mm -hmm. deal if he's sitting down to tell me this. Whereas if we were regularly checking in and just talking about the different things that were, you know, going on, then it would have felt like this was a part of, of our relationship. And so I think that opportunities like this remind us that these can't be the only times that we're having conversations like this. They can't be the only times that you're discussing important things with your kids. Yes. And I, and I think that's an excellent point. And, and I, and I, I hope that that gives hope to people out there who think, oh, you're doing the strong Catholic dad thing. You've got it all together. It's like, no, um, I, I've got a, a whole um, a whole line of mistakes that I'm pointing back to to be like, hey, let me tell you some of these uh, what and what happened and went wrong. And, and I bring you on. And, and what do you do? <laughs> you're like, you bring them up. And I think that that's good. It's like, let's be real about uh, where where we are and the mistakes that we've made. And so when it comes to I, I want to address that one question of like, you know, how do you know? you know, how much to say, like, how do you, how do you filter this? And I think some of this on a just a very practical level with each person, you have to know, like, what is, when you're paying attention to your child, what is their level of, um, 
of like how offended do they get at various things that they see in their environment. I have one child who just any slight smell and she's like, oh, that's disgusting. Um, I have a uh, other child who uh, anything that has kind of anything that might slightly be immoral, she's like she she's really upset about that. And so uh, knowing um, paying attention is, is just like step number one. I need to look at my child and say, OK, like what is their what is their level of tolerance for things that are visually um, difficult to look at. What is it? And for you, actually, I'll bring up that, uh, and we can get more into this in another podcast, but when you were a little kid and you saw Tarzan, there was too much coming at you at the time, and it was overwhelming to you, the, the animated version. We were in a version. theater and I had to leave halfway through. <laughs> yes. So, um, so that, what's that tell me as a parent? Uh, now, at the time, it didn't tell me much because I didn't get it. Today, what's that tell me is that my son, who eventually got into, as you have film, is very visually oriented. And so things that you see have a powerful impact on you, which it would have been smart for me to turn off the TV when this dramatic thing was happening. So I would say like, first and foremost, is that like, I have to tune into my child and say, okay, where, where are they at when it comes to visual things, when it comes to sound, to their sensibilities, what things really set them off. And then circling back around to your point, which I think is excellent. Um, we need to have these conversations more frequently. And how do we have these more frequently? Back to my first recommendation is we need to pay attention to what's happening with our children. And the easiest thing to do is like watch their eyes. <laughs> what uh, This morning I, I was in mass and there was a little boy in front of me who kept turning around and looking at me. So if I was his dad, what would that tell me? It's like, this child is really curious about all the different things going on in the world. And so we could have a conversation about that. It's just like, well, why are you looking around? What, what are you interested in? And I'm not just there to say, okay, I saw you looking around. You're not supposed to do that in mass. Let's do the right thing. It's just like, this is my opportunity to ask the further question, like get to know your child. It's like, what were you looking for? Why was that interesting to you? You know, why were you looking around? So that they begin to explain their interior experience. I begin to understand it more. They feel understood, heard, like, oh, Oh, okay, dad was interested in what I had to say. I must be important because he's interested. Very key. And then from there, uh, you can move to look to having these conversations more frequently as you're getting to know them. Um, then when these big things come up, you've already had this type of a conversation where it's like, okay, what and the, where do I start with filtering it? I start with what do you understand already? What and, and like explain to me and how do you feel about that before I start to filter anything? <laughs> because uh, there's definitely things that I started to filter and I realized, whoa, they didn't see what I saw and I'm and I'm filtering something that I'm actually bringing to the table that that, that whoa, okay, I'm saying too much. So first step when I'm paying attention, looking at their eyes, is then to come around and ask them what they understood by that and, and why, what it meant to them um, and how they feel about it. And then from there, I can start making a better decision about like how much to, to explain. That's all we have time for today. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, please subscribe, leave a five-star review and encourage your friends and family to do the same. If you want to support the work of Strong Catholic Dad, you can become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 a month. I quit my job back in 2018 uh, to found Strong Catholic Dad, and as of right now, it's not enough to pay the bills. So anything that you can do is appreciated. Until next time, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless.